The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. I'm Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect analyst, James Anderson. James, hi- happy Vidal Brujan Day to you and yours. I uh, hope you're well, man. I saw Vidal had a hit and a stolen base in game one of the doubleheader today. That game is in the books, raised one, eight to one over Cleveland. How are you, man? What's new with you over the past few days? Uh you know, I've been doing a lot of a lot of landscaping actually in the in the backyard. Oh, wow. um, got some fun exciting projects stuff. done back there. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting. Um, my my Can bucks set for Vegas last night. Yeah, uh, sorry to hear that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm good to go for Vegas. Uh, got to go pick up some strong sunscreen today. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, pretty much pretty much ready to roll. Uh, Draft is going to be fun. I mean, there's going to be so much going on that Sunday. Um, but I, I really appreciate uh, you holding it down while, while I'm out there. Oh, God, yeah. I just have a couple other trips to take this year. Got to go see the old man. Got to see my brother and, and his family. So I'm hanging back from the Vegas trip this year. Hope you guys have a fun and safe trip. And I uh, hope to join again down the line. But, yeah, the draft – Following on that Sunday, well, any Sunday is just absurd, but uh, this Sunday. I think it's only the first round, you said, on Sunday, though, or first round plus the supplemental. Yeah. So, uh, uh, really so the Rams are going to be taking a couple picks that day. Ready. <laughs> they're, they're really dragging this thing out. I mean, I I don't know if they should do it that way, but um, the picks will be coming in hot and heavy on, on day two. Yeah, that's true. And I'm looking forward to seeing it. I, you know, you do most of our coverage in that end. We'll be spending a good chunk of this show on previewing the upcoming draft, but uh, looking forward to kind of getting to know these players for the first time myself. And uh, hopefully the, the broadcast is a step up from what I've seen in recent years. 
I was just researching who was stashing Vidal in our stake league, and the answer, James, is nobody. I'm shocked by this. Am I? Am I just? Apparently, um, well, I <laughs> I messed up and I dropped cut him. bait. I cut bait, uh, and I'd I'd rather not talk about it. But yeah, because um, <laughs> I was going to give you credit, I could have sworn you were stashing him, but you must have dropped him. I was. Back. I was. <laughs> I was stashing him and then I, I pulled the plug. I don't, I'm not as, uh, I mean, you're, you're, uh, when you stash a guy, you're, you're serious about it. You, you I got my heels dug in. Yeah. Uh, I'm much, much more, uh, wishy-washy on, on seeing it out. And mm. yeah, he, he had a rough June and I was just like, look, I gotta, gotta keep churning. Gotta try to get some production here. And yeah, he's probably going to go for, Probably going to go for quite a bit on uh, Thursday night. Yeah, I'd imagine whoever's got budget left. I mean, I guess there's looking at the budgets. One team has 83, our buddy Kevin O'Brien. I could see him uh, going pretty heavy. One team's got 57, 59. So, yeah, I could see him going for maybe half of one of those top remaining budgets. Uh, I guess there is kind of a question of how long he'll be up. I thought I saw something about him being the 27th man today, but they could always send somebody else down and keep him up. Uh, but do you think this is for good with Bruhan? I I wouldn't go that far. I mean, I think uh, with Margot hitting the IL, he could definitely stay up for a bit. Um, yeah, to be clear, Mark Topkin reported five hours ago today that it was Ryan Sheriff who officially was recalled to take Margot's spot. Bruhan called up as the 27th man. I just wanted to clear on that. Yeah, and, you know, they don't need to keep Bruhan up just because Margot's on the shelf, but they would be stretched a little thin. Uh, Brett Phillips would basically be the the lone fourth outfielder, uh, unless you wanted to play Lau out there. But uh, Well, he's their 10th bullpen arm now, Brett Phillips. <laughs> Dude. I, I did love that appearance. It was hilarious. It, his uh, his interview after that was so funny. Um, that guy's laugh is amazing. Yeah, he's it seems he's, like he's just a great clubhouse guy. Oh yeah, I mean elite, I think that elite clubhouse guy, eighty grade. He that's why he's stuck around on forty man or on you know the the big league rosters this long, mm-hmm. uh, even with the team as loaded as Tampa Bay. I mean he's he's got really um, he's got a rare tool set. I mean he, he's obviously not the best hitter, but factor in like the arm and the speed and everything he's he's pretty toolsy but you know a guy a guy like that if he's a bad clubhouse guy he's probably been dfa multiple times over the past three years but um everyone just loves being around hard not to love that guy uh well uh, james today we're going to talk a little bit about three big risers also answer a twitter question that we didn't get to last week uh before we get into a draft preview uh, your big risers that you laid out today, I, I recognize a couple of these names, but Jose Miranda, not a name I know much about. He's the guy who's closest at AAA. What has caught your attention, and why have you bumped him so far, uh, so far up your board recently? Yeah, well, I haven't I haven't officially bumped him uh, far up because it's just – it, it, you know, I haven't done a big update to the top 400 in about a month, but uh, on the next update that'll hopefully be up about 10 days from now, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he was 
inside the top 100 or at least pretty close. Uh, Miranda's a guy that I was pretty high on relative to like his pedigree and just sort of, um, you know, he was kind of a unknown back in 2017, 2018, when he was a top 200 guy for me, just based on the bat to ball skills and uh, how young he was for, for those levels. But he kind of fell off. I mean, this has kind of been a theme where we've seen guys who had really rough 2019s relative to expectations and their prospect stock just took a big hit. Uh, but then we didn't really see anything from them in 2020. And so it's just kind of out of sight, out of mind. And then they come back this year and then they're picking back up to where they were in, in 2018 and, and therefore just shooting up the rankings. Um, Miranda is still just 23 and he, he forced a promotion from double A to, to triple A and he's got 16 homers across those two levels. He's been hitting for a really high average. His contact skill is, is still kind of his calling card and the strikeout rate's been very impressive, but, um, the fact that he's getting the power, um, significant power to go with that contact has been what's been so impressive and has been kind of fueling his rise, at least sort of in my mind. And I think this is kind of trending towards him potentially getting, uh, a decent look in the majors in the second half sometime, mm. especially if, especially if the twins are able to move on from like Josh Donaldson, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that they're going to be willing to trade a decent amount of the, the veterans on that team. So uh, Miranda's not on the 40 man, but I think that he's he's the type of guy where we we definitely could see him in the second half. And there's there's just a lot to like there. I mean, it's it's been still a relatively small sample um, this year in the minor league season. But uh you know, there's not really much to nitpick with his production thus far. And he's not only been productive, uh, but he's really close to the majors. So I think he should be someone that's that's appealing in a large variety of formats. Yeah, you love to see him hit the ground running too and not miss a beat after getting that promotion that you alluded to. And 16 homers, as you said, and three of those have come in just seven games since the promotion. And four walks and six Ks. So, yeah, it looks like that new level is not too much for him. And maybe, yeah, we could see him clear that, clear the minor leagues entirely and reach the majors. By the way, I know you're sick of talking about Bobby Witt, but I, maybe I'm, I'm not. I'm not sick of on. talking about Bobby Witt. I, maybe I'm just probably... sick of asking you about him. Oh, okay. I'm sick I of love Bobby Witt. <laughs> <laughs> he is pretty sick. I just in stake league, you know. I mean, I should have probably when you dropped Bruhan, uh, made the switch on the stash there um, because Witt still hasn't reached AAA, right? He's still at Double A. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. I saw he's back in the lineup. He was dealing with was he dealing with a little injury? Yeah, like I think he missed uh, like a few few games, but not. Yeah, it was, it was a minor injury. I'm just thinking maybe I have to cut bait and. Maybe the stash, uh, you know, I hate to pull the plug. Yeah, I, I'm much more reluctant to do that and, and take cut my losses than you are. You're much more disciplined when it comes to uh, well, I, cutting I mean, losses. it didn't pay off this time. I I added to my losses by cutting Bruhan this time. So 
By the way, our buddy Joe mentioned in the chat that after that game one, it looks like the Rays sent down Sheriff, activate Fleming. He's going to pitch after McHugh. So just uh, some more context there with our Bruhan chat from earlier. Uh, down a level, though, Garrett Mitchell. I saw him a little bit in the spring and was impressed. What have you seen recently with Garrett Mitchell? Well, he just got the promotion to double A, uh, only 28 games at high A, so kind of a, a quick trigger there on, on getting that promotion. Um, you know, I've seen, I saw that uh, buddy Eric Cross is already putting Mitchell inside his top 10, so uh, the the hype is, is mounting with Garrett Mitchell. Um, I don't I don't think I can go quite that far on bumping him all the way up inside the top 10, but I mean, he is a very hot commodity right now. We know about the speed. He's 12 for 13 on steals. We know about the raw power. And the question was whether he would get to that in games. And, and so far the answer has been yes, but uh, you know, this is still a guy who's, going to turn 23 in September and um, just got promoted to double A. So I kind of want to see how he does at double A first before really rocketing him like that far up. But uh, I could see him being in the top 20 on the next update here in, in a little less than two weeks. And um, they, they did that thing where, Garrett Mitchell got the bump to double A and then Joe Gray got the promotion from low A to high A to take Mitchell's spot at, at high A. So a um, couple Brewers outfielders really, really trending up, forcing the issue. Um, we love to see that. Uh, also be remiss if I didn't say I'm pumped to have my guy Rowdy Telez join in the Brewers. Um, oh yeah. You got to be over the moon about that. Yeah, yeah. By the way, I must have been dreaming about Garrett Mitchell in spring training. Maybe it was <laughs> Hedbert no, Perez. He, no, or was no, Garrett no, no. Mitchell in spring no, training? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. He had a, I couldn't had a find a spring stretch. Couldn't find a spring stat. Yeah, he had a good spring. <clears throat> um, okay. But yeah, I mean the the Brewers are all all set, man. I mean, we got Rowdy Telez. <laughs> well, the Five, Reds I mean, are still over five hundred, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> Uh, I do kind of like that buy low on on uh, Rowdy, but they they gave up Trevor Richards, right? Who was pitching pretty well, but that was a nice like flip of him. It's like yeah. they, they just they have they have a good thing going on in that front office there in Milwaukee. I got to tip my what, cap to that. What do you think about the Brewers maybe trading uh, Keston Hira for maybe a, a high level rental at the the deadline this year? You think it, they could get a high level rental for him? Well, like, hey. is some is is anyone like? Let's say they offered Keston Hira for Trevor Story. Is is there a better package out there for Trevor Story? Maybe not. I saw some of the proposed packages for Story, and I was shaking my head. Uh, just rumored, more so than like reported packages. But um, it doesn't seem like the market's that hot. Um, yeah, and it it I guess I'm. I've mentioned this just because it does seem like Kira is kind of maybe the odd man out now. Um, I don't know. I Maybe Telez is just not going to play that much or something, but uh, I don't really 
think Hira has a, a clear spot on this this team anymore. And you'd be selling a little bit low, but I think they they might rather trade Hira than any of their top prospects in the minors. Um, just give—I mean, he's just such a bad fit in the National League as things stand right now. And you know, I don't—I I assume the DH will come. Um, the next time there's a baseball season, whether that's 2022 or 2023, but for now there's no DH and you bring in Rowdy Telez. I mean, he's, he's the lefty of the two. So it would just sort of seem to me like, do you want to just play Kesson here as a short side platoon guy? Do you want to just play Telez like once a week? It seems like something's kind of got to give that. When do they still have Vogel back on the roster? Yeah, he's on the IL. Okay. Because I was going to say, you can't have all three. (laughs) No. I mean, Vogelbach might be getting DFA'd uh, when he's ready to come off the IL. James, what can you tell us about Anthony Volpe down at the lower levels? He's catching your eye? Yeah, he's just putting up uh, ridiculous numbers. I mean, he's, he's 20 years old, so it's not like he's ridiculously young for low a but he's he's age appropriate uh, i think when you factor in the the last season last year and walking more than he's striking out while hitting for a ton of power and showing off some speed on the bases 11 homers 20 steals uh walk rates almost up to 20 percent strikeout rate 17 percent uh hitting over 300 I mean, this is this is pretty pretty exciting, and like I know Jesse Roach uh, over at at uh, Baseball Prospectus has had some tweets on Volpe, kind of um, cataloging his launch angle and and barrels on on some of these homers. I mean, he's hitting some of these like four forty, and that's surprising to me, just given when he was uh, a draft prospect back in twenty nineteen he was sort of seen as sort of a a light hitting shortstop who might be sort of hit over power and, you know, was, was definitely going to stick at shortstop might give you a little bit of speed, but the bat wasn't really seen as, as the big tool there. And, you know, you give him that 2020 season where we don't see him, we don't know what he's doing, but he was obviously putting in work. And now he's just the fact that he's hitting for this much power uh, at the age of 20 uh, when you already, we already know that he's uh, a valuable defensive prospect, a guy who's can chip in with with his legs on the bases. I mean, he might be rounding into a true five tool guy. And I mean, I I don't know. I mean, he he's someone where it's going to be really tough to decide where to slot him on that that top four hundred update that I alluded to. Uh, but I mean, he's going to be inside the top one hundred. It's just a matter of how high he climbs inside that top one hundred. Yankees fans are probably ready to send this guy off for some immediate help. Uh, they, they, <laughs> are, are, are they? I mean, are they? Are they even thinking about this season? They're probably well. Yankees fans aren't ready to give up any season, but I just—they'd probably be willing to send this guy away for story. That's it. Wouldn't take that much to get story, but no, because um, Volpe, you don't see the, you know these kind of young risers at these lower levels. These are the the gems that. Yeah, don't get, they, don't get moved anymore. 
I can pro- I don't know about Yankees fans. I can promise you the Yankees front office is not trading this guy. Yeah. Like that's that's a Yankees fans I think would, would love to send him. Away. <laughs> um but yeah, crazy run for him at uh Tampa. What league is that now? Is that the uh, uh Low A Southeast, I guess? That anyway, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. All these new like league uh I just don't understand. You know, I have to click through and because they rearranged everything, so I don't know what any of these are. I mean, and you, and I, Southeast. I bet, I bet he gets the bump to to high here. Maybe before our next podcast, I think we're off next week, but um, that'll be kind of the big the big test. Like, I don't, I don't see myself putting Volpe inside the top thirty or anything like that just yet, but. You know, if he if he goes to high A and kind of keeps this up, or at least doesn't really slow down drastically, uh, I mean, we could be talking about a guy that's. I mean, he the the sky's the limit, really, with with a guy like this, an up the middle player who's going to provide value with his glove and his power and speed. I mean, those are those are the cream of the crop uh, when we're talking about prospects, especially when you factor in his age and. Um, production so far before we move on let's throw to a quick word from our sponsors we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now we are back on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect analyst, James Anderson. James, real quick, totally off topic, but did, what did you think of the uh, trailer for the Mini Saints of Newark, by the way? Ah. Um, you saw it, did you not? I did, I did. Um, I'm glad I did, because otherwise I would have had to let you down, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, man. I, I mean, I'm excited. I uh, love The Sopranos. Um, I'm, I'm knee look, deep in a rewatch right now. Looks like a looks like a pretty good cast, from what I could tell. Um, <laughs> I think they've spent a lot of time, probably, on this to try to make sure they do it right. And uh, I, you know, one thing that just came to mind when I was watching the trailer is just how much I miss James Gandolfini. I mean, he was such a such a great actor and seemed yeah, like I found a myself cool dude. last night on the YouTube app on my TV, just running through Gandolfini videos like him on, on the cameo on SNL. And that guy was the man. Yeah. And I, I mean, just, he, yeah. yeah, it's a, it's really sad. Uh, but 
Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to see that. I, it takes a lot for me to get excited about movies these days. Like, I just mm-hmm. I feel like there just aren't many good movies uh, anymore. Um, certainly, yeah. it's, it's been multiple years since I've gone to theaters to see a movie. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I mean, I can't wait. Yeah, Michael Gandolfini looks like. Well, obviously, he's James's uh, son, James Gandolfini's son. It just looks like he's, I don't know, just had some sort of the nuances down of that character. It looked pretty exciting. Ray Liotta, looking forward to finding out more of the backstory on Dickie Maltesanti. And I'm a big, I'm just, I guess I was kind of late to the party. I probably started my first watch like four or so years ago. Now I'm in my second watch, and uh, I'm just a big Big Sopranos guy now. I actually just ordered a, a robe. I'm becoming like a robe guy, like like Tony. Um, just I've wearing, got, wearing I mean, a robe around a lot. That, that's awesome. Uh, robes are <laughs> robes are great. I I don't have a robe, but it might be a good thing that I don't have a robe because I would just I'd probably wear it too much and like in I'd wear it in like public too much. I'd probably yeah, like I had walk, to take it off dog in it yeah. for this, and I was kind of like bummed that I had to take <laughs> it off. But um. I love Tony just <laughs> walking around his robe constantly. We need to get turn me into a robe get, guy. We need to get uh, someone. We need to get like Ken Kreitz or someone to send us some some rotowire robes that we mm-hmm. can wear on the pod. Yeah, that should be the next like company mm-hmm. gift. I would wear that on on the video pod every every damn time. But yeah, I think right now I'm like season. I don't know the the, the beef with. Uh, Ralphie Cifaretto just went down. So, uh, yeah. Pi Oh My, Pi yeah. Oh My just uh, met her fate. So, I throw, throw that on again after the, the show today. But, James, let's move on. More uh, prospect talk. First, before the draft preview, uh, a question from uh, Paul. He'd love to hear your thoughts uh, regarding MLB's crackdown on foreign substances. Will it affect SP values in dynasty leagues? It's a good question. What do you think? He did offer an example. Uh, he was offered Garrett Cole and Luis Matos for Luis Patino and Francisco Lindor in the head-to-head category dynasty league. And Cole's last three starts have him questioning his value going forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this too. To be honest, like, I, it's uh, it's a tough it's a tough question. I mean, you know, it it seems just kind of conventional logic it would seem that it's a bad time to trade coal uh this is like the worst worst stretch of his career over the past probably like four or five seasons um but we know that there's a reason for it so it might be more actionable than you know it's not it's not like it's just sort of a random well, we think we know the reason for it. We, we think we know, and it does tie very closely to that crackdown date. Uh, but you never right. know for sure. No. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of smoke. Like, it, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's not a, you know, we haven't scientifically proven that this is the reason for it, but it sure, it sure as hell seems like it. It looks like there's a fire it. there. Yeah, it looks like yeah. there's a fire with that smoke. Uh, but I'm just saying... Yeah, no, you're. I would, you're I would be a little reluctant to sell low because you're selling pretty darn low right now. I mean, Cole's values seem to tank, at least from what I can tell. 
I blame still myself for for bumping him at that that last dynasty update I did. I I was like, yeah, I'll, fine, I'll I'll rank Cole high. Uh, well, high for you, rank a yeah. yeah, high for and you then, on the dynasty list is like what was he in the thirties or something? Uh, I think I had him at like 16, 17, something like oh, that. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just so classic. Like as soon as I rank him high, then it's just like, oh, actually, actually now. Well, finally, um, Major League Baseball decided to do something about it in the middle of a damn season because mm. they had to paint the players as cheaters. And I'm worried, man, you alluded to it earlier, but I'm really worried about the CBA and the bloodbath that's coming. I feel um, like there's too much money at stake for there to be a lost season, but you just never know. You know, yeah. with that with that specific, like, the, the trade that Paul threw out there, um, you know, this is I think this is a great time to trade for Luis Patino. Uh, I think, you know, Luis Matos, Luis Matos, Garrett Cole for Patino and Lindor. I mean, you'd be... You'd also be buying, or one of those guys would be buying low on Lindor to, to some extent. Um, I mean, just for this year, like just for the rest of this year, would you take Cole or Lindor and Patina? I think I want Cole. Yeah. I like Lindor. Yeah. He's been bouncing back. And I expect to have a ton of Lindor next year, but. Mm-hmm. It just seems like wrong to sell on Cole right now. Like it just seems like the worst possible time. Yeah, and Gino I mean, it, was sent down too, wasn't he? Yeah, but I, I mean, he'll be back. Yeah, um, I. You know, I I guess I I'd be more concerned about Cole like in the short term, like his next start and the start after that, than like Cole a year from now. Like I, I just feel like a lot of these pitchers are just you know, they're trying to scramble on the fly because like you said, MLB's um, introducing this rule mid season. So I think you give, you give Garrett Cole like a, an off season to kind of work on whatever he needs to do to sort of replace what he'd been using. I mean, I think that you'll, you'll see a much better pitcher than the one we're seeing right now. So um, I tend to, I think I agree with you. I think you hold, you hold Cole there. Um, like if if instead of Francisco Lindor, if it was, um, you know, maybe like Tim Anderson or something like that, um, or even, you know, I'm sure you probably couldn't get someone like Bo Bichette, but like if it was a better a better player than than Lindor, I'd, I'd think about it harder. But I I gotta assume that you know Lindor is not going to be a huge upgrade over whoever else he's starting right now in the middle infield. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you there. So, yeah, that was a very good question, Paul. Hope that helped. Now, James, let's get into your draft preview. I got a preview of your amateur board, which I believe will be coming to Roadwire eventually. But I, um, what do you think? Is Khalil Watson your number one guy here? Is that is that clear for you, or is this still fluent ahead of the draft? No, it's it's Watson at one A and Marcelo Mayer at at one B. Uh, you know, I think Watson has the higher ceiling. Meyer has the higher floor and they're just, they're very different just from a tool standpoint, like Watson's a 
70 grade runner with easy plus power uh plus raw power i should say uh but he he gets to it in games and um my air just he's kind of more um you know he he looks the part a bit more just because he's six three and, and he's got this beautiful left-handed swing and so I think it's it's easy for scouts to really fall in love with him. Uh, but you know, they're Watson, these are these are tools that you they're they're tough tools to find in the MLB draft. Um, usually these are tools that you have to find on the the J two market. Uh, the guys that could be just monster power speed shortstops. Um, so I and it, usually those guys, like if they're coming from um, the prep ranks, usually there's more concerns about the hit tool uh, than the, there are with Watson for me right now. So I think Watson's the guy, but uh, Meyer, I could see I could see a case for taking him um, just because the, the hit tool really has a chance to be special. Uh, but I think it's it's definitely between those two at the top for me. And, you know, just if we're looking at where they might slot on the top 400, um, I think they would both probably fall inside the top 40 and probably not inside the top 30 just because there's still so much talent. Uh, I mean, maybe they could not inside the top 25. I'll say that. I gotcha. And Jordan Lawler, we've talked about either on this show or on farm Friday. Uh, you say hit over power, but you do see more power coming in time with Jordan Lawler. Yeah. The, the reason I have him a little lower, um, it, not quite in that that class with Watson and Meyer is just I I think uh, there's more questions to me about how much he's gonna hit and like like Watson's already just got crazy power um, that you can see in games and I think he's just as good a bet as Lawler to hit whereas Lawler uh, neither of these guys have the safety of my hit tool and Lawler, you're kind of projecting the power. Uh, whereas with Watson, it's already there. And, you know, I, I see some similarities with Lawler to like Royce Lewis, um, as a, as an amateur prospect where, you know, there's just all kinds of tools, um, really athletic. I, I think Lawler is a better, like would be a better fit long-term in center field just from what I've seen, but I'm sure that whoever drafts him will draft him as a shortstop and keep him there. But, you know, the, the tools are exciting. There's, there's a lot of speed. Obviously you could, there's 20 steel potential, 25 steel potential. Um, he could grow into 15 to 20 homer power. Um, but I think he's, he's just a little riskier to me because we're projecting the power and I'm not fully sold on the hit tool. Uh, but, this is this is kind of how weak this class is. The fact that a guy like with with those concerns, a high schooler who's old for his class, who's going to be four years till he gets to the majors, the fact that that guy is third on my board right now, um, it's not it's not great. Not great at all. But <laughs> at least there's something to like there with that skill set. Even if this class is a little a little underwhelming in in a total. But uh, so Khalil Watson, Marcelo Mayer. Jordan Lawler, the top uh, prep hitters in this class. Henry Davis, you have pegged as the top college hitter. He is the catcher. Do you see him still going first? Um, 
Do you think that's probably the way things are trending right now that he's the number one pick? Oh, I mean, I, I have no idea. Honestly, okay. I mean, I, I, I think we talked about that. And was, I did just seen it in a mock or two, but yeah, I, um, you know, there's always just a ton of smoke out there on <laughs> where guys are going to go. Uh, you know, Jeff Ponce and those guys at Prospects Live. I mean, the BA guys, they're they're much more like I don't even mess with mock drafts at all. I don't I don't know where anyone's going to go really. Uh, I know where guys have been linked and stuff like that, but uh, wouldn't put it past any of these teams to just cut a deal like they're in the top five there's going to be at least like one big surprise pick where someone cuts a deal with a guy who's been mocked in like the teens or something like that and then they save money so um davis i i totally get it if if a team wants to take him one two three whatever uh you know he's he seems fairly safe um you know taking the best college hitter in a class is never a bad move um, in the top spot. I mean, you, there's obviously a ton of risk with taking any arm, um, even the college arms in this class. And uh, there's obviously a ton of risk with taking any, any high schooler uh, hitter or pitcher. So uh, Davis, I mean, I think you can make a case. Davis is the safest prospect in the class. So uh, I definitely expect him to go top five. Nice. Then would, uh, would you say the two arms, Jack Leiter, Kumar Rocker, up next? Is there a, kind of a tier break, and then you slot those guys in, or how do you see the uh, yeah for the next tier? For yeah, for for dynasty, uh, I think you know those four hitters we talked about, and then it's then it's pretty wide open for me. Like there could be a guy. You know, like Lighter and Rocker are going to go in the top ten, obviously of the of the actual draft, but um, that's just not really a spot I want to be picking, like in in a first year player draft. If I can, and you, and I'm sure in in most first year player drafts, like one or both of Lighter Rocker are going to go ahead of at least one of those four hitters. I, I would expect that to happen. I mean, the name value is just so much stronger with Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker, like their household names at this point. So I, I wouldn't expect those guys to slip very far in a first year player draft. So, you know, you could be picking fifth or something and still end up with like Khalil Watson uh, or Jordan Lawler or something like that. Uh, nobody wants to take a catcher. Maybe you end up with Henry Davis, but once those four guys we talked about are, are gone, um, I'm probably, I'm probably looking uh, to trade down at that point uh, because it's just so wide open. I mean, there, there's going to be guys that go in like the twenties um, that I'll have ranked as top 10 guys for, for first year player. Yeah. I'm wondering because after those top four, you have, you know, lighter and Kumar rocker, and then it does seem pretty well bunched. How would you kind of, if you had to, you know, pick and choose guys here, there, who are some of your, highlights top players from the the best of the rest yeah i mean i'm i'm really infatuated with peyton stovall uh the second baseman maybe left fielder but um he's a prep guy from louisiana his his hit tools right there with my air uh it seems like the a lot of the best hitters in this class hit from the left side at least from the prep prep ranks uh stovall hits from the left side um 
you know, the, the hit power combination there could be plus hit plus power. Um, I, I think, I think people are maybe a little too low on him uh, as an athlete. Like he's obviously, he's obviously not a shortstop, but uh, I think there's, there's quick twitch actions in there that, you know, I think the the bat speeds going to be a big uh, carrying tool for him. And um, I think he, he moves well, like out of the box. And I think he could just be kind of a sneaky stolen base guy. Like he could, he could give you like 10 steals or something like that. Maybe. Um, so I'm really high on Stovall, but again, like I, I could see Stovall going in like the thirties or the twenties of the draft. And so, you know, you really have to have that confidence in a player like that to take him as highly as I'm going to have him ranked. So you might be able to like, there's going to be first year player drafts probably unless like some team just loves Stovall and takes him in the top 15 or something like that. You could probably get him outside the top 10 and some first year player drafts. So that's what I mean by kind of just being um, just super wild and, and there not being really any consensus um, once you get past those, those four um, hitters we talked about, you know, actually Brady house who we haven't mentioned yet. Um, Brady house will probably go top five, top six in a lot of first year player drafts. Uh, he's, he's one of those guys where he's so big as a high schooler that I just have all kinds of concerns of just where the body's going to be four years from now, six, three, 217 pounds. Uh, power is absolutely his calling card and it will be his calling card um, for his entire career. But I don't even care about the defensive aspect of like, does he stick at shortstop? I, I assume he moves to third base because I just can't imagine how his body will be able to stay uh, agile enough to stick it short. But even if he stayed at shortstop, I'm just kind of wondering, you know, where the swing and miss is going to be. So I'm, I'm a little lower on house. He's probably not going to be in my top 100. And yet I think he, he probably will be in a lot of people's top 100s. Interesting. Another uh, college player, Colton Kowser. Jordan Wicks, you know, it seems like a lot of the players here, a lot of the top guys for you are, are prep players. Um, yeah. And just seems like the, the college crop is. No, uh, it's, it's not good. Wild. I mean, it's, it's really not good. Yeah. Uh, the, Matt the McClain position. seems undersized. Yeah. I mean, Sorry. Matt McClain, I, I don't mind Matt McClain. Um, you know, you're the big question with McLean is like, is he going to hit for any power? I mean, he hit for power a little bit this year at UCLA. Uh, he can he can top spin a, a high fastball and, and hit it out, or he can kind of hit like a wall scraper to the opposite field. Uh, but it's just you know we have no idea how that's going to translate with with a wood bat. And he is, he is pretty undersized, but he has big time speed. He's going to stick up the middle. So you have a shortstop slash second baseman slash center fielder who has 70 grade speed and a good hit tool. And so it's just, is there any impact in that bat? I mean, I think it's worth rolling the dice on Matt McClain, <clears throat> you know, maybe, <clears throat> maybe even inside the top 10 of a first year player draft, just in case 
he is able to surprise people in the power department. I'm not, I'm not necessarily projecting him to be a 20 homer guy, but I also wouldn't rule it out. And if Matt McClain can become a 20 homer guy, then, I mean, he could be the most valuable college hitter from uh, this class for fantasy. So uh, there's definitely, you know, it's a 5'10", 180-pound middle infielder who might not stick it short, but uh, that's how weak this class is in terms of college hitters that uh, that a guy like that, um, you know, he might be the second-best college position player in the class. And I see we have a uh, Miami University guy, N- not Miami of Ohio. Don't don't ever say Miami of Ohio to somebody who went to Miami University. I have a lot of cousins, and my stepmom went there. It's not Miami of Ohio. Um, that's insulting to them. But it does seem like Sam Bachman's kind of the last of this glut of of arms here, or, or near the the end of the list here. Um, this seems like a bunched up group of arms somewhat interchangeable would you say or just kind of hard to separate you know when it when we get into that this and then this this is true every year where you get those college arms once you get past like the obvious like top two or three guys from every class then it's just beauty in the eye of the beholder and uh bachman to me just everything about him just screams reliever and so i i'll probably be lower on him but you could definitely see him being um, just a, a lights out closer. I mean, I, this is sort of where I, he's not a lefty, uh, but this is kind of where I was with Garrett Crochet uh, last year, where the the stuff is off the charts. But it's just like, man, I just I think he's a reliever. So uh, two, not, two really good pitches. Yeah, I mean two potentially 70 grade pitches with the sinker and the slider. Uh, but there's, there's some injury risk. There's bullpen risk. Um, I just, I'm probably going to be lower on him and, and, you know, he, he could go top 10 in some first year player drafts too. Like big league teams, some big league teams going to fall in love with uh, the, the stuff, the current stuff. And like, you could kind of like crochet, like Bachman stuff could play in a big league bullpen very soon. So that that's going to appeal to some teams where all these guys are risky, but if a guy can help the big league club within the next calendar year, that's there's a lot to be said for that. So I expect him to go fairly high, uh, certainly inside the top 20, maybe inside the top 15. You know who sounds which, – which team sounds like a good fit for him? Maybe keep him in state? Keep him. Keep him in keep state. In bring state. him to, to south southwest Ohio. <laughs> bring him into, uh, in but I mean that bullpen's horrible. Maybe he could yeah. even be extradited like Crochet and uh, get yeah. out later this year. <laughs> Hell, I mean if the Reds are in it, that could be a, fit. Um, win, a win now. A win now draft pick. Like <laughs> Not desperate at all. Um, <laughs> Anything else you want to mention? You know, this is our kind of last preview before the draft, and uh, we will have picks or notes going up for each pick in real time. All the work of the great James Anderson. So um, I know you'll be in Vegas, but you've done most of the work ahead of time, James. So we thank you for that. Uh, anything else draft related on your mind? Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll hit on a few more guys. Um, Trey Sweeney has been kind of a trendy guy for a month plus uh he's 
he hasn't played against great competition at Eastern Illinois, but any and he's not going to help any team with his glove really. Um, just kind of one of those bat first guys where you're just trying to find a spot for him. But, um, you know, if, if anything he did at Eastern Illinois in terms of strikeouts and walks is legitimate, then the, the appeal is, is pretty strong. I mean, he's got big time power. Uh, he's able to uh, hit the ball out to all fields and, it's just, it's kind of a question to me of, you know, how legit is everything that he's doing, just given the competition. But Trey Sweeney is definitely uh, a guy to take a stab on outside the top 10 in a, in a first year player draft. Um, I love Gavin Williams, who was my first pick in that Prospects Live draft for the Brewers. At, I took him at 15. Uh, I think he's probably going to be my third ranked pitcher for fantasy in this class. And uh, Jackson Job is the, the top prep pitcher. Um, you know, he's it's it's so easy. Uh, like if I if I had been like if this was my first year or second year, or third year or something, ranking draft prospects for fantasy, I could see having Jackson Job inside my top ten. I mean, it's just so easy to fall in love with him. Uh, has yeah, he's like a, he's a spin monster. Like he just has all the classic modern traits that everyone's looking for. Um, deep repertoire, uh, fairly fresh arm. Um, he's not he's not a guy that's been like run into the ground pitching on showcase circuits for like three years. Uh, and he doesn't throw like I, you know the worst type of prep pitcher is a guy who's already touching triple digits um, because then you're you're almost inevitably getting Tommy John within the next couple of years, but Job is more kind of low to mid nineties, which is a mark in his favor. In my opinion, that the fastball hasn't gotten all the way up to 99, 100. So uh, I totally get why someone would fall in love with him. But again, like prep pitchers, I don't, I don't think it's smart to be the guy who takes the first prep pitcher in a first year player draft. Like you want to, maybe take a, a chance on a guy with your third or fourth pick in a first year player draft, a guy with some upside. I mean, like Kyle Harrison of the giants, you know, he was a guy that was sort of an afterthought in first year player drafts, but uh, he's already really popped. So, I mean, like Blake Walston a couple of years ago, same thing. So as much as I love Job, I would, I would probably take a more cautious approach if I'm picking early, but I, I totally get it. Job. I love that. Um, finally, just a question from Kevin in our chat here. Anything on Peyton Battenfield? He says he's an older prospect with interesting pedigree. What can you tell us, if anything, on Battenfield, James? Yeah, he's been uh, you know he's been getting a lot of a lot of chatter on on Battenfield. Um, you know, Rays pitching prospects. There's a very high bar for them to clear in terms of being. Uh, guys that get treated like a traditional starting pitcher. I mean, there's, you, you got to prove that you're uh, going to have three to four uh, solid pitches and you're going to have to have good command. Um, the age factor doesn't really, it, I'm not scared off by pitchers that are old for the level necessarily. I mean, unless we're talking about like a 24 year old at low A or, uh, you know, 
something like that. The fact that he's 23 and at double A doesn't worry me that much um, because you, you can judge pitchers by what they're showing you in games and, and what the stuff is currently. You don't have to worry too much about the age uh, to level. So, um, you know, he's, he's probably going to be on the top 400 on the next update. You love the, the strike throwing that he's showing right now. Uh, the fact that he's not walking anyone essentially and hitters are not hitting for a high average against him. I mean, that's, that's really great that, you know, he's really tough to hit and he's not giving up the walk. So um, there's obviously a lot to like there, uh, but I, I don't think he's going to be like a top 100 guy or anything on the next update, even though he's, he's trending way up. Very nice. Well, we appreciate that. And we appreciate Kevin chiming in in the chat. Uh, James, before we sign off today, let's, Draft our latest walk-up songs. Let you go first this week. What you got? Ah, all right. Uh, it's time for my second diplomat song of the the playlist. The big diplomats uh, guy. Well, it's I love it's I love that perfect, about you. It's, per, it's perfect walk-up music. Um, yeah, it is. It's like good. like I'm a like I'm a big outcast guy. I mean, I'm a big. Um, Big woo guy, I know. big woo guy. I mean, it's some like I don't think Outcast songs are that great for like walk up songs. Like, yeah, I think out, that's fair. I think that's like fair. Out, Outcast songs are for like when you're at home, like relaxing, like after the game. Um, I hear you. Whereas Diplomats, that's that's gonna get you fired up. Um, it's gonna strike some fear into the opposing pitcher. <laughs> um, so, I'm gonna go with. I really mean it by the diplomats off of diplomatic immunity. Um, nice. There's kind of a, there's kind of a slow build on that song. So I wouldn't want it to necessarily start right at the beginning of the song, but kind of right when the, when the beat drops uh, would be a great time for it to start. Nice choice, man. I was thinking about using um, a couple of weeks ago, thinking about picking losing weight part two, but there's no real way I could justify it because I couldn't find a, instrumental and like you know it has like a two minute uh talking segment oh you could tell the you could tell the pa guy like start yeah, start the song at three minutes and 15 seconds yeah i'm gonna be doing that probably with a lot of them just annoying the hell out of them but you, you push the on star it'll get you straight there well, and it's you you don't it's it's not good to put on a playlist right like i think yeah. that's more the issue right you don't want to put a you got we got this great playlist. You don't want there to be like a two minute interlude that everyone. Yeah, gets. exactly. Exactly. Maybe you put that on like the BP playlist, but not probably a walk up song. I am going to pick uh, a rare collab here, James. I don't think this was on my collabs because it's actually a, a rapper and then a producer. And I had both of these guys drafted on my my squad a couple of years ago. Raekwon and Dr. Dre. I think that's the only Ray song produced by Dr. Dre. Catalina. Oh, yeah. Um, that was off Only Built for Cuban Links Part 2, which was not the all-time classic that Part 1 was. But still very good. Probably one of the best albums of the last, like, 15 years, frankly. Um, maybe not. I don't, I don't listen to a ton of new stuff. But I, <laughs> I did think Cuban Links Part 2 was actually pretty darn good. And Catalina just bangs. So that's kind of like a, it's one of those like kind of rare Raekwon like commercial bangers, I got to say. But uh, Ray gets the pass on any, you know, he's not commercial. 
Yeah. No. But that song kind of, he's got that beat that kind of gets you going, you know? Yeah. Classic Classic Dre beat. That's probably one of the more, um, Cuban Links Part 2 is probably, if not the last, one of the last, like, Wu-Tang releases I I paid any mind to. Um, Yeah. yeah, Although you liked Eight Diagrams, didn't you? Or did eight diagrams come out a little before that? Uh, I think eight diagrams was at least a couple of years before that. I could be wrong. That's maybe true. I actually considered rushing elephants as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that Ray's verse on on that is just amazing. But great stuff, James. Enjoy Vegas. Be safe, man. Safe travels and have fun. And uh, can't wait to read a lot of your work on draft night. Thanks, man. Uh, thanks for all the help, and yeah, I'll talk soon. All right, sounds good. Thank you all, and hope you'll join us not next week, but uh, the week following on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet.